You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I dropped an amazing episode with Dom Grimao of The Last Felony, Ion Dissonance, and Cryptopsy. There is this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers! What is good, Lamb Goat family Van Flip podcast fans. I am greatly appreciative that you have joined us yet again this week for another episode of the show. We still are ever so slightly inching towards the milestone of our two-year anniversary and our 50th episode. And speaking of shows, if you guys want any particular guests, you can always tweet us and request those guests. We do take those into consideration depending on, you know, scheduling and availability and such, but Definitely try to get who you want on the podcast, and uh, we will definitely try our best to get them on. Yeah, I think that's how that goes. All right. If you're new to the show, thanks for checking us out. Go ahead and give us a review. Give us a high rating and share us with your friends. That definitely helps us out with the podcast algorithm and uh, obviously with our reach. So go ahead and do that. If you are a continued supporter of the show, man, I thank you very much. And I do uh, talk to you guys a couple on Twitter, and I greatly appreciate you guys uh, interacting and following, especially for two years. Uh, some of you guys have been for two years long, so that is amazing. So thanks for that. Visit lambgoat.com for everything metal and hardcore related. You can like us on Facebook, and you can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at lambgoat. Make sure you subscribe to the lambgoat's YouTube page where you can find all these interviews in video format. Hit that notification bell so you're alerted when lambgoat content or new episodes are uploaded to the channel. And you can follow me directly on social media on Twitter and Instagram at lurkcity. That's L-U-R-K-C-I-T-Y. Now rolling into number 46, we have Kyle Anderson of the Toronto Deathcore band, Brand of Sacrifice, and you can check out their latest album, Lifeblood, coming out this Friday, March 5th. Oh yeah, what's this? I feel this. Oh yeah, this is stuff. Lamb Goat presents the Van Flip Podcast. What is good? I am here with Mr. Anderson, Kyle Anderson of the band Brand of Sacrifice. How you doing, man? Not too bad. Not too bad. Just waiting for some uh, nice Chipotle right now are you got some doordash slash uber eats coming that's right nice are you gonna uh did you, what, what did you get from chipotle uh, i got a burrito hmm I, I go with the bowl. steak burrito good move i go with the bowl and then i get okay. the chips yeah. and then i do the dip you know i i treat it like a i treat the bowl like a like a seven layer dip sort of and i eat it with the chips smart i've smart. never actually had it without the chips I've never like scooped it with a fork or something like that so that's the okay. only way i'll eat chipotle i guess <laughs> <laughs> you like um i used to work next to one actually i got burnt out on it so i rarely ever eat it anymore it's something that i don't have too much it's uh there's a lot of other options too for mexican food i'm in, in toronto and uh but for some reason i just feel like having it sometimes it's just one of those things i kind of feel like chipotle you get it that's cool. I yeah, I've um I have an affinity for everything Canadian since I am also half Canadian. So Oh nice. Yeah. Uh I'm not familiar too much with Toronto, but um my family was from like the whole uh whole Gatineau right outside of Ottawa and Quebec. So that's where oh, okay, okay. I spend a lot of my time at. But I awesome. uh, I got that dual citizenship, so that's cool. That's one of the cool things. That's so very useful. Yes. Very useful. Not right now because I don't think – well, yeah. I, I don't <laughs> know if I can get in or get – you know what I mean? If I'm allowed in or not. But uh, yeah, I'd like to try. I haven't been I haven't been to Canada in like seven, nine years. 
And uh, okay. I used to go every year. So it's been, it's, it's, uh, I've wanted to go for a long time. But anyway, I digress. Back to you, Kyle. <laughs> Your band from Toronto. Uh, you guys are relatively new. You guys just kind of popped up on the scene and you kind of have, um, you know, hit the ground running, so to speak. Like, were you guys in any kind of musical pro? Well, first off, let me just start that over. What year did you guys start? Because your Facebook started late 2017, but when did you guys actually get together? Um, I had the idea to make a little side project that was uh, supposed to really be just one EP for fun uh, with my friend uh, Leo, who's also the guitarist of the band. And uh, we were in another project called The Afterimage for a number of years, which was sort of like a progressive metalcore band, very different in style, a lot more melodic and, you know, sort of standard medical metal, metalcore tropes with singing and screaming and stuff like that. But um, that was the main focus. And this was sort of an outlet to create something a little more extreme and, and heavy and just for fun. And uh, so I think, we had, I had the idea late 2017, we actually started making songs in early 2018 and releasing it. I think we released the EP initially in May of 2018. Cool. So that's when we officially are, we're out in the world is May of 2018, I guess. Um, did you guys release that through some, through a, through an outlet or did you guys self-release it? It started off being self-released and then, we signed to Unique Leader Records uh, in the fall and then re-released it through Unique Leader with slightly different artwork and a better print on the CD and the jewel case and whatnot and, and vinyl as well Cool. at that point. So so you guys were doing projects prior to this? Yeah, we uh, The Aftermath was a band for almost seven years or so. Um, we did a couple of uh, tours. We did one in the States that was with uh, Era and Polyphia in Van Animate. That was the only tour we ever did with that band. That was 2015 or so. And uh, other than that, it was just mostly Canadian stuff. And um, The band was kind of on and off and in between various people's careers and school and all that stuff. So um, it was uh, it was something we we definitely put a lot of time into, but um, it's just funny how things changed where this, the side project for fun becomes the main project. Yeah. So why is it such a different deflection from what you were doing in your previous band, the progressive metalcore thing? Like, how did you, how'd you guys, or how did you kind of get turned on to like the death metal, deathcore kind of like just brutally heavy type shit? I think I always had uh, a like for more extreme music. I, I, Really enjoyed. I think I was enjoying really enjoying Beneath the Massacre at the mm. time. Which, Canadian uh, band, another great Canadian <laughs> band. Uh, and uh, I was listening to a lot of slam, like the true slam stuff for the the genre nerds out there. <laughs> and <laughs> somehow those influences turned into deathcore. I don't know. That was just what happened. But. Um, I, I just always wanted to make something heavy and kind of push my vocals in a different direction than what I was accustomed to. I was sort of doing like mid screams and, and singing a lot, like clean singing. And I wanted to do some more extreme uh, vocals and make some heavy music. I just had a, a niche for it, I guess. And um, Leo had a background in uh, tech death. He was in a band in high school and uh, when he, was first in university. It was called Ascariasis. It was just a, a local band as well. Um, that was a fully tech death. So he had background with, with death metal before. So it just kind of worked out in, in that sense. Uh, and I think a little bit of the aftermath definitely peeps through, but not too much. Oh, cool. Well, I was thinking earlier, um, fuck. I, just, I totally fucking blanked on what I was going to ask you. Uh, anyway, we'll move on from that. So your new CD is coming out March 12th, right? March 5th. March 5th. So the week prior. Um, and there's a couple different nuances on this record compared to your previous two. You uh, yeah. you released two through uh, the your previous label, and now you're on uh, Nuclear Blast like 
extreme offshoot bloodbath, right? Yeah, that's right. Okay. Yeah, blood blast. Blood uh, blast. They... Blood blast. Nuclear blast. Blood blast. Got it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's a it's a new outlet that focuses on the uh, the digital front alone. Um, so they're it's a bit of a different business model from the actual nuclear blast. But it's nice because you can still handle all the physicals yourself as a band. And we are pretty DIY to begin with. We were doing most of the the back-end stuff and the business stuff already. Um, so it just made sense to uh, work with a team that we had sort of handpicked in a sense. Uh, Blood Blast, uh, the, our representative, his name's Bryce, and he works with uh, a number of bands and tours with them. He's also part of uh, the Devastation of the Nation tour that happens uh so we did a few a couple of tours while he was uh tming rings of saturn and uh we had that relationship and just loved working with them and so we it just made sense to to take that route as we wanted to go uh, mostly independent for this release nice so they handle like what the streaming the digital downloads and there's just like all the digital stuff and then you guys would handle the pressing of CDs, the pressing of physical copies and stuff like that? That's right. Literally everything else is the, is the band. And Do you guys um, handle your own merch and all that other kind of stuff too? Yeah, everything, all the merch is all uh, done th- by us. We put in the orders ourselves and all that. So it's, uh, it's pretty much a DIY band. Um, I mean, it's if you think about it, the idea of it's a little more artist-friendly version of something like a CD baby or a, distro kid uh but a little more in depth with more connections on the back end yeah. i'd say to to streaming platforms and they've got a great team and it's just been an awesome experience so far with them and uh it's a great step i think for those bands that want to sort of handle more things themselves and create a product that's a little more curated um than you might have with sort of standard pr and standard uh releases that a, a label might do for every single band that they have kind of thing yeah it's it seems like a unique kind of way to approach the situation it it kind of seems like a more evolved um you know a more evolved relationship between you know label and artist uh yeah does so they only kind of do they help in any other way as far as like i don't know promotion and stuff like that is it all do they you know i'm trying to think like what do you keep all your cut for the physical copies and merch and stuff like that? Or do yep. they get a cut yep. of it for like some kind of management slash promotion fee? No, they don't get a cut of any of that. That's okay. all hundred percent to the band. Um, they, what they do have is uh, they, they have connections with streaming platforms and whatnot, a better closer dialogue with them. For example, things like Spotify and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't want to get into too much detail with that, but um <laughs> they it's it's helpful in that respect because they can represent the artist in, in, in a great way. Um, so you can have a, a better dialogue with, with different teams that may be changing now in the future as I know Spotify is making a number of changes. Um, and that's a whole topic in and of itself, Spotify, <laughs> but, <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's, a, that's one of the benefits to something like this over like a CD baby or a distro kid or anything like that is that, you got you have a representative you can discuss things with directly and their their back end system is is awesome cool you can see everything almost in real time as well and it's not like a label where you're going to get maybe two statements a year yeah. so you could you can withdraw funds at any point pretty much so yeah. that's pretty cool oh nice and do they, and, and again they do they help with like any kind of like ads and promoting and anything like that or they just kind of run the the um you know the music stuff yeah they do some of that stuff too and they have um representatives that focus on things like youtube as well um but it's not it's yeah it's mostly the platforms themselves that your music is going through and they they have different representatives that have that discussion and you're able to connect with representatives from those avenues a little bit easier cool well enough of the back end stuff let's talk about the front end stuff so um yeah like i said earlier just a little bit ago this new album is a little bit different from your previous releases so 
what kind of spawned that change as far as like it just seems like a more grander sound with a lot more synth production a lot more uh you know different weird noises in in places and stuff like that i think it was a combination of a couple of things uh, i think the first one was 2019 we were on the road constantly and i think having been on the road and played the other songs and uh, sort of experienced what reactions are like to certain riffs and certain tunes that you you put in the set list and things like that sort of helped uh, clean it, the sound up a little bit and hone in on the tools that were part of the boss kit there, I guess. And uh, just really doubled down on the things that were working. And uh, I think one thing that we sort of realized is that I think right now um, with mainstream music, uh, for example, if you look at kind of how rock has changed over the years and how it's not maybe in the forefront as much compared to like your hip hops mm -hmm. or your, your pop music. And I think that's because uh, people really want to have an experience. They want something that's grand and large. So that's why we sort of doubled down a little bit on the the big production as well as we trying to go for something that's a little more even though it's still extremely heavy and extreme oh for sure uh, we yeah, wanted to go yeah. for something that's it a little more is, it definitely is brutal approachable and for sure and uh i think we also were had in mind that maybe we could be a gateway in some senses for those from maybe the metalcore realm because i think we've got a lot more repeating choruses and things like that too so song structure was another important um aspect to us as well with that with this album cool and uh does that differ from the previous albums where like you guys were just maybe more loose with the song structure yeah, i think we had a couple of hints of it with uh with our album uh the previous album uh we had a song called charlotte off that record uh god hand and that one was pretty structured and that one seemed to be um one of the favorites off that record so we sort of learned from that and uh went from there. There's a few, a couple of them that are structured similar to how we have it on, on lifeblood, but uh, there are definitely some uh, not as standard uh, song structures on that record right. comparatively. How long have you had this album lifeblood recorded and ready to go? We actually wrote the majority of this record during the pandemic. So it's pretty fresh as far as material goes. Sometimes people sit on things because they have to wait for the whole release stuff to happen on the back end right. with labels and whatnot. But that was one benefit to being independent is we can uh, get things out a, a little quicker. And we are self-produced uh, all the mixings in house and writing and productions in house. So it's another benefit too. Uh, so we were able to write and record and get it mixed and, and mastered pretty quickly. Nice. Who does the uh, mixing and mastering for you guys? Uh, so Leo does all the writing and mixing. Uh, and this time around, we had uh, Mike Kalajian, uh master the record. Cool. It sounds great. That's why I was asking. Thank you. So, yeah. Uh, it, yeah, he it, killed it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so you guys record all your own, your own stuff. Uh, do you guys all live in Toronto? Is it like a group of you guys that are friends there? Or, or is it, are you scattered throughout? We're sort of scattered through the U.S. and Canada now. Okay. Um, so initially, Leo and I had met and we lived together in Toronto for a while, but uh, now he's living in the States. He's in uh, Connecticut. And uh, so he's there working for a big tech company in Connecticut. Nerd. And uh, our drummer is in Brooklyn, but everybody else is, uh, well, actually, our bass player just moved to Halifax. Uh, so he's, he's you're spread uh, all over now. <laughs> pardon me? You're spread all over now. Yeah, we're spread all over the place. We used to mostly be in Toronto, but that's uh, definitely changed now. So, but it works out because we can, you know, we're pretty mobile on the, when things are back to normal, we'll be noble, uh, mobile. And noble too. Why not? Yeah, why not? <laughs> um, so how does that affect like you guys like writing and just jamming in general? Like how often do you guys get to get together? Like with the pandemic going on with, you know, people living in the States and stuff like that. I'm, you know, I'm sure it's been tough if they even got over. I don't mean, I'm not, I'm sure they probably haven't even crossed the border. Yeah. So, um, 
we've actually always been pretty mobile with writing anyway. So it's mo- mostly uh, Leo will send ideas to me and then I'll track them myself uh, at home and shoot them back to him. And uh, this time around, uh, our drummer, James, he actually has his own studio as well. Tracked the drums in his studio and then shot him back to Leo. So it's always been pretty mobile. We did get together to shoot a couple of music videos back in uh, November. Flew out to the U.S. And we, we filmed in uh, Philly for a couple of the videos that we put out. Cool. And uh, But that's the only time we've been together since our last tour, uh, which was in uh, Europe in, in March of last year. So it's been a while. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing that you guys kind of like, you know, got to at least focus enough to even like write and record and, you know, release a record without even hanging out or being around the same. (laughs) Yeah. It's definitely a a different uh, approach than, I mean, I've, I've done both ways. I've done it this way. And I've also done it where, you know, everybody jams in a room and just writes and vibes Uh, either way works. What do you prefer? Um, Do you have a, do you have a preference to either one? I think for myself, it's faster and more effective to be sending ideas. But there's some things that, um, depending on what kind of music you're playing, certain vibes, it doesn't... When everybody's in the same room and you're feeling something, you can't necessarily put that into a DAW, Mm -hmm. I guess. Right. But I think for the style of music that we play, it works perfectly fine to do it the way we do it. Cool. And what DAW... What workstation do you use for recording your vocals? I use Reaper. Okay. Myself. Cool. I have no idea what that is. I use Ableton and Audacity. And uh, I'm familiar with a couple other ones like Pro Tools. Mm -hmm. Reaper, I've never This one's like, it's like an open source sort of uh, DAW. Mm -hmm. So it gets updated and sort of a lot of people contribute to it. Right. so it's it's pretty awesome. It's actually free to use uh, for the most part. It's like a trial. Cool. And that's what you use to record and do all your stuff. That's what I do. And uh, Leo, I think he uses Logic. Oh, okay. He's yeah, a yeah. Mac, Mac user. Familiar with that as well. I also am a Mac user. <laughs> um, so what do you attribute like your guys' just, you know, firestorm of – I don't want to call it success, but like notoriety, you know what I mean? Cause like you guys seem to have, you know, crossed leaps and bounds, even in this past year with, um, without, you know, playing shows or even doing much, you, your guys' buzz just kind of keep, kept getting bigger and bigger. Like how, what, what do you attribute to the quick, you know, success of all that? Um, I think there's a few factors that go into it. Um, I think right now, if we, we look at the pandemic, I mean, some bands have decided, oh, I'm just going to wait it out. We're going to just wait till everything goes back to normal. When tours are happening again, I know tours are happening again, then I'll put out a record. I think this is actually a good opportunity, though, to release music because I think people are listening to a lot of the music right now. And people have a lot of free time uh, at home if they're not working from home or doing other things. And a lot of people I know have, unfortunately, lost their jobs or are in between jobs. So um, I think it's a good opportunity to, to have media out there. Um, so that's, I think the first part of it. Uh, and the second part is, I think we focused a lot on the marketing aspect of this record. And uh, like we, we did a couple of things that were a little outside the box. We made uh, like a VR website where you can sort of discover the album artwork things like that, something a little bit outside the box. And we really worked and developed a team. We have a great PR team that we're working with and we shoot our ideas off and they give ideas back. So that helps too. And then I think as far as the songs go, I think it just helps that um, there's a big resurgence happening in deathcore in general. There's a lot of great, young bands like, like a couple I would name would be like shadow of intent or uh angel maker, for example, even rings of Saturn. They've been around for a while, but they're part of that wave mm-hmm. in Lorna yeah, shore. Yeah, for sure. So I think that's um, a part of it as well, because I think there's a, a lot of cool new deathcore bands coming out that are different than what people might be used to 
uh, when you think of the word deathcore, I guess. So, <laughs> yeah, you seem pretty comfortable with, with the term, even though it, you know, I think people shit on all kind of terms, but you know, it, it's, it's a love hate relationship with these kind of genre names because, yeah. you know, even if you were to say metalcore, you're going to piss off certain decades of people oh, who yeah. live through the <laughs> yeah. metalcore. You know what I mean? Because I know when I say metalcore, I'm I'm referring to a certain time period from like 2000 to 2006 or whatever. You know, that's kind of like my golden era. But there's also like a different style of metalcore prior to even that. That was like, you know, Dead Guy and, and, and Drowning Man and all sorts of other shit. So like, mm-hmm. and then you have the newer version of metalcore that is more of a new metalcore situation. But um, yeah, you seem pretty comfortable with the deathcore terminology. Yeah, I think uh, some would consider it a dirty word for sure. Um, but to me, that's what most people say when I look online, when they discuss the genre. And I mean, I'm not like a, a genre nerd or anything like that. I'm not going to get mad if someone says, oh, this is actually, you know, in slash indie down tempo, <laughs> I don't know, grunge. I'm not going to get upset with that. But I, I just kind of go off of what, the general uh, fan would say, I guess. I also think too that with the sort of newer age bands, it's sort of become a little less dirty of a word right. as well. Um, kind of got dragged through the mud a little bit, and then now it's coming up. You know, just like I think metal. I think heavy music in general is having a, a, an upswing. In, oh yeah, altogether, not just deathcore or metalcore. Or, or anything, but I think, uh, you know, I think, and I don't know if it has anything to do with the profitizing of it for a while, because I think it got so huge, you know, the scene in general, the whole scene got so huge. Um, it was on MTV, it was doing this, it was that, it was in the mall, mm. and, you know, and then I think it became kind of a joke shortly after that. And then it's cool that it's picking back up now, but it's picking back up for the right reasons, you know. Yeah, I guess things go through cycles and then you have some people that kind of ruin it for others. <laughs> uh, but uh, it's nice to see, like you said, it's nice to see that it's it's picking back up again. Um, I guess when we think about genres, you know, the funny one that comes to mind, this is obviously not an actual genre, but it's what people called it. But if you look at something like Gent, right. for example, you know. Um, There's so much music that has a Gent, gent sound to it that... That's yeah. an unfair genre name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's just it's just a noise that the guitar makes, but I mean that's what people called it. So, yeah. you know, at a certain point you got to adapt to it, I guess. You know, yeah, if that's what the fans are calling it, then cool. Yeah, you you got to go with the public on that one because then you'll just be like the crazy old guy trying to be <laughs> yeah. Back in my day, thing. we yeah, didn't yeah. call it that. We called it progressive metal. Crabcore. What the hell is that? Cra- <laughs> I kind of feel like a lot of uh, deathcore kind of, you know, a little bit came from crabcore. You know, like maybe the oh. brutal break, the, the brutal breakdowns and the, I don't know. Yeah, the fret one breakdowns, except <laughs> I guess the only difference is in the crabcore era was drop C, mm. probably. And deathcore, they're all in drop A or drop B. So that was really the only difference. But it's <laughs> essentially the same idea. Yeah. As With some thrash riffs added. Just don't, <laughs> just don't rip your pants, you know? <laughs> so so uh, you, I heard somewhere or read somewhere that you, you base the band uh, kind of off of um, anime or a certain anime? Yeah, it's, uh, it's based off of a manga called, uh, an anime called Berserk. Okay, is a and, manga uh, like the comic book version and the anime the comic book exactly, version? Exactly, yeah. Okay. That's a... I'm learning things every day. You know what I mean? I'm not, I'm not familiar. I watched Akira. You know what I mean? Awesome. Classic. I was like 10. So that was the last time I saw it. <laughs> it was a while ago. And I kind of don't remember it. I just remember he grew a big freaky arm and rode a motorcycle. That was probably uh, pretty scary as a 10 year old to watch that. That's, that's pretty dark. Yeah, it was a little strange. But I got my, my grandmother I, was watching me and I got her to rent it from Blockbuster. 
Now I'm sounding super old at this point. because I love Blockbuster so much. Don't get me started about Blockbuster. Well, I, mean, I went to the last one, actually. That where exists. was that? In like uh, the West Coast or something? It's uh, Yeah, it's in Bend, Oregon. And uh, when we were on tour last with Rings of Saturn in 2019 uh, in the fall, I had the opportunity to go there. And I'm like, I'm loaded in. See you guys later. I'm going to Blockbuster. And everybody's like, what? <laughs> I went to Blockbuster and they've definitely like retained the vibe. Yeah. The only thing is they didn't have games, but mm. um, otherwise it's all there and they got some like Blockbuster merch, but it feels exactly how I remember it. And I was just, is that the bliss. one, is that the one that's, it's not part of the franchise, right? It's just like a nostalgia store or is it the last one of the franchise holding on? I think they're a lot, as far as I know, I could be wrong on this. But I think they're allowed to use the name, but yeah. it's their own kind of thing. Right. Yeah. Like they're just a so. rental store that's like, hey, we're Blockbuster now. <laughs> Blockbuster <laughs> went since, out of business. Now we're Blockbuster. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, re- they actually, I think, turned it into an Airbnb for a bit as well. So you so could you go and there. sleep in a Blockbuster. Um, oh, that'd be weird. Yeah. I'm sure you could, there's, there, I'm pretty sure they probably have like a, you can rent any movie and watch a movie and get the popcorn right there, you know? Yeah. God, there was probably some nostalgia rush when you walked into that bad boy. I remember you said VR earlier, like a VR thing. And mm-hmm. now we're talking about Blockbuster. I bought a VR boy from Blockbuster one time. I don't know if you know what I'm talking about, but like the Game Boy version of VR, it was like this little VR thing. You was put, it red? Yep. Did it like, okay. It like, yeah, the virtual stand. boy. It came with a stand and you would like just put your face on it. You know what I mean? I heard that made people throw up a lot. Uh, probably. Yeah. I mean, it was like, <laughs> it was like the public's first time ever, like dealing with any kind of personal virtual reality that it was pretty cheap. So I would assume. It's a cool idea. Yeah. I mean, now the Oculus rip, now the Oculus thing and home VR is an actual thing. So. Yeah. I, I don't have a headset myself, but. Have you ever tried it? It's something I, I've not actually. Cool. Well, I haven't it. either, so we can't talk about it then. I guess, <laughs> I guess not. I do want to try it. I've been thinking about buying the Oculus Rift Pro or whatever the Facebook one at Best Buy is, just to try mm-hmm. it because you know it seems wild. But who knows? Yeah. I don't know. How difficult is it for a Canadian band starting out? Um, in this genre, I think it's pretty tough because I, well, I think, mean, I guess in any genre, cause you guys have a, any, the population difference is great in, oh, your, yeah, in your country definitely. to our country. So even when, I mean, if you want to get into your genre, that's even more niche. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, there's way less people that would listen to that kind of music. So I guess, yeah, expand on that. Then like how difficult is it for Canadian bands in the scene to kind of like gain notoriety? And how often do you guys get to come how often and how difficult is it to come over and play like in the U S okay. Uh, so I could just sort of speak from our experience, but uh, right now the local scene for alternative music is near non-existent um, other than before the pandemic, I'll say as well. Um, it's generally um, the people will come to shows that are, you know, the mid range touring bands, from the States and there's a few Canadian bands that are killing in, you know, if you think of bands like counterparts, for example, right. in the metalcore world, uh, but they've been around a while. Um, but as far as a local scene goes, there's not really a lot of local bands that are playing shows and things like that. It doesn't really happen anymore. So your best bet is, is the online world and, gaining notoriety on, on social media. And if people like your tunes enough, then you probably are going to hopefully be able to get to the States. Uh, and that's where we, we pretty much skipped the local stage completely with this band. Our first show was in uh, Trent, New Jersey as a band. Wow. We did a, we did a tour with uh, a few of our friends and uh, a band called signs of the swarm and, uh, Depths of Hatred and Sentinels. It's, it was a smaller tour uh, in early 2019. And uh, that was a, a great way to get our feet wet as a band. Um, 
But as far as a band that's starting out, I think you, the only way you're going to really make some headway is getting music seen and heard online. Because right now there's not really a, a local scene. Maybe that'll change though when shows are back because people are um, really itching for live music right now. So maybe people will start making local bands again. I'm hoping that because a local scene is a good thing, in my opinion, in the grand scheme of things. Of course. Yeah. And what do you, I was going to ask, like, what do you think attributes, I mean, outside of obviously the pandemic, but like you were saying before, it was kind of drying up. What do you think attributes to that? Like, what is the rumor going around your, your area for that? And is it in Toronto only, or do you find more in the little, you know, uh, in the, the suburbs, do you find it bigger, the scene bigger there? I think places like Montreal are still popping off. Uh, Montreal is always going to live and breathe metal and Quebec in general, I think. Interesting. So that's a good, that's a good thing. Um, it, it's always been great going over there. Um, Toronto's still okay. Like I said, for the, uh, the mid range and tours. Yeah. I mean, people, there's definitely tours. people that live there uh, that would come see like a touring band for sure. But, you know, I'm curious as to why, like the local I guess, scene is like dry. I guess when I first started getting into heavy music or the core scene in general, I guess there was also, you know, the sort of scene culture, you know, dr- dressing up. And I'm talking old school where people had raccoon tails and you know swoops <laughs> and size small shirts and mm-hmm. your mom's jeans like that right. that time, you know. Um, that was, I was the culture. (laughs) And, uh, I think a lot of people came for the culture side as well. Mm. You know what I mean? Uh, a lot of people love the music, but there was also that like, yeah, I want to be a part of this, the scene thing. And, uh, then there's also like your hardcore kid thing and whatever little group you're part of deathcore kid thing. Um, so that, culture side of it isn't as prevalent as back in the day like um to in the same sense uh as it is now uh and i think the younger generation is gravitating more towards seeing bands that are larger or mid-range and they'll come out to those shows but they're not really interested in supporting the local scene because they're not there to hang out in a scene culture that's my this is my hypothesis i guess i could be wrong on this but well it kind of falls into the same thing like like i was kind of mentioning earlier how like the scene culture just was bastardized for a while and like (laughs) it became like the somehow scene culture became like myspace culture and then it became like a joke and you you like now i look back and i'm sure like you look back and some of you maybe not, but some of the choices of clothes and and things that I would wear prior to them being on MySpace or whatever, because the MySpace thing happened and because like the MTV thing happened and then you know that became like a gimmick. It just makes me cringe when I look back, and it wasn't like I was following that trend. It just now I I, yeah, I was not cringe, either. you know. But who knows? Maybe yeah, the, maybe the young kids are. Uh, they're all about the vintage shit. You know what I mean? They're all about buying clothes online from mm-hmm. like 1990, early 2000s. I feel like the scene will come back and I feel like, again, for all the right reasons. And um, it should be good. We all just got to hold in there. You know, we, we might all be like 45, but it'll, it'll be popping. <laughs> yeah, I think, uh, like we said before, everything does go through cycles and uh, it'll probably come full, full circle. Maybe my kids will have raccoon tails, right? And swoops. You never know. You never know. <laughs> but yeah, I think that might be the reason why things have changed a little bit, and it's slowly because I think that even the scene thing went through some different phases. From you know, like the two thousands, two thousands and six is different than twenty ten to twenty twelve sure. or thirteen. Like there, because you know there's so many different bands with different styles and uh, changes that happen throughout music through that time. 
you know, you talk about crab core, that that's after your, you know, Azalea dying and that kind of metal core right. kind of phase right, that was right. big for a while. Right. So it's crazy. And like the, the, we mentioned new metal core earlier and um, mm-hmm. that's a cool genre for me because I, before I found like hardcore and metal and stuff like that, um, I was a new metal kid, like in uh, middle school and stuff. Like I was listening to corn and, you know, Limp mm-hmm. Biscuit is still a huge band in my life. So it's okay, but whatever. Um, Nothing wrong with that. Right. <laughs> There's no more gatekeeping these days. The internet said so, but um, <laughs> so I grew up in the new metal scene and then, you know, like I stumbled into like glass jaw and then like hate breed and then kind of like got sucked into the hardcore metal scene. And then now it's fun. All the kids that like were really young growing up, listening to Slipknot and, other new metal bands, they're also into the like metal and hardcore scene too, but they're taking like all that influence from like disturbed <laughs> and they're making it in, they're mixing it in with like Azalea dying and other fucking like heavy ass bands, you know, and it's mm-hmm. creating this whole different like metalcore vibe. And I'm kind of here for it. I'm also here for it. I mean, uh, I guess I was more on the pop side of the new metal stuff, but I've, you know, I love Linkin Park. Oh, that's fine. It's one of my favorite I did, bands. I grew up listening to that too. Yeah. So I, th- I think, you know, almost all of these new metalcore bands have ripped off a Linkin Park melody. That's, <laughs> I mean, I'm here for that too. I want to hear it. Linkin Park isn't writing Linkin Park anymore, obviously, due right. to what's happened. But for many years, they haven't been writing that style of Linkin Park. Oh, of course. I miss yeah. it. Could you imagine um, if there was like, uh, you know, uh, Hybrid Theory 2 or like a Meteor 2. That'd be cool. So not like just something like those two albums. Those two albums yeah. were like so, I don't know. They were just so awesome at the time, even though it is like you said, like a popper, more pop version of it. But I mean, I like pop music. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> uh, what, what's, what's, like, your, what's your fave right now? What's your fave pop stuff? Um, I think I've been messing around with the latest Ariana Grande. Mm-hmm. Okay. To be honest with you. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm not too deep into it, but <laughs> I do do listen to, I do dabble in some pop, but I, I take things, I take mental notes from pop when we apply it to the world that we're in. Mm-hmm. I think there's a lot to be gained in that sense. Look at a band like, I don't know if you heard this band, but they're called I Prevail. Yeah. It's a pretty big uh, metalcore band. I think they take a lot of notes from the pop world and apply of it in a, in a way. I think they've, they've kind of moved more towards that realm, which is no, I mean, that's not me hating on anything, but like, you know, they kind of moved into a, I hate saying imagine dragons realm, but they're, you know, they're kind of crossing over into a different bridge area. They got like rapper features and stuff like that too. I mean, I think that's cool. I think that's sort of stuff. It might not be for everybody, that especially people that have been around for some time, you know, <laughs> might not be for them. But in a way, that's a good thing to further, you know, alternative music and get it to more ears. Right. So, yeah, it's, you know, earlier this week, I was thinking about there's nothing you can do to stop the mating of music in general, because people are going to grow up listening to whatever. And then they're going to find that they want to make music. And sometimes you're not making music that you really want to make. You're just making music because Mm -hmm. you're with some friends and you're with a group of people and you're making music that you all want to make, but it might not make, might not be what like you personally want to make. So it's, you're never going to stop people from influencing whatever genre. So all the genres are going to just be like screwed at some point. Yeah. Are we going to have any, are we going to have any rap features in, in, uh, be, and boss maybe uh i don't know i i know i have some friends of mine are in a band called within destruction and they released a pretty controversial record for the deathcore world that has like actual rap features on it and stuff mm. um would you be afraid so i thought that go ahead sorry go ahead finish your i was gonna say i thought that was cool that they took that risk and were like you know what let's just release the opposite of what people you're going to expect from a slamming deathcore band. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, sometimes curveballs work out. You know what I mean? Yeah. Sometimes they work out. Sometimes they don't. Only history can tell. Um, fuck, I forgot what I was going to ask you before. I, like, My passion. Your thing. <laughs> Damn. 
When's the last time you had some poutine? Do you guys do poutine in Toronto? Is that a thing out there? We do, yes. Um, maybe a couple of months ago. Oh, I man. like to save that for special, special occasions. occasions when I'm really feeling it. And, you know, I like pulled pork mm. poutine. That's pretty fire. Nice. I'm into you, that. Do you guys have St. Hubert over there? Like the chain, the chicken chain restaurant? I don't think we do. It'd be like a sit down kind of place. Not, not not fancy or anything like that, but like a Ruby Tuesdays. Sounds familiar, but I don't think I've had it. Interesting. They've got a, like a pulled chicken poutine. Okay. And they have like this sauce that you can, I mean, I think I can buy the sauce here in the States even. It's like a, some kind of oh, chicken, nice. chicken gravy. But uh, that that hits the spot. But nothing hits the spot more than like some uh, on the side of the road stand, poutine stand. That's like, yeah. that's more my shit. I like that kind of stuff. But um, I haven't had it in so fuck. I haven't had that in so fucking long, man. That's more the reason why I want to go back. That's uh, one of the the great parts of being Canadian is the poutine and hockey. I'd say too. For sure, you like, I hockey? like hockey. What's your I team? I do. Yeah. Pardon? What's your team? Uh is it the Maple Leafs? To be honest, <laughs> that would be my second team. My real team is actually the Devils. Okay. But they haven't been very successful for some time, so. Uh, I've got a few Leafs jerseys it in the closet hanging up. My team won the Stanley last year, so I, I, oh, was, nice. ri- I was riding high. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm a Bolts fan. Um, what other Canadian things going on out there, man? How, I mean, are you guys any closer to being open? Like, We were actually under state of emergency yeah, I re- for yeah. a bit. Um, they've just started opening things up um loosely uh and they've sort of color coded different areas and so made them zones that are opening before others and whatnot which i think that makes sense but i mean i don't claim to know much about the science behind things and whatnot but i would have been okay with as much as i hate being inside maybe closing things down a little bit longer if that meant that we could get a little closer to things becoming normal but I mean, I'm no expert, so. Was it re- was it getting really bad up there, or because I'm in? You have to understand, I'm in Florida, and uh, we've kind of just been like open since like April. Yeah, yeah. So it's been like the wild west out here, and not that I, you know, I mean, I'm wearing masks and stuff wherever I go, and if I go mm-hmm. anywhere and stuff like that, but. I mean, I'm also not staying inside. Like, and that's the thing, like locally here, not a lot of people are. And it's really weird to hear like, you know, other places like California or or, or Canada. Mm-hmm. So I was, I'm just wondering like, did it get like really bad or like, I'm, and what's really bad? Cause I feel like we would be really bad. And if this was really bad, then I don't know what's really going on. I think they, there was a time where it was like three to five K new cases or something like that in uh, Ontario, which is the province here. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was the daily sort of average. And then they decided, uh, you know, it's a little too high. We're going to close things down and be really tight on everything and find people if they're out and partying and, and all that kind of stuff. But I don't know how that compares to other places and the population density is all those numbers that I'm not willing to take the time to, to crunch, <laughs> but <laughs> Uh, yeah, that's sort of where it was at as far as I know. Um, I think it's down to like 1500 a day or something like that. New cases, but it's, it's not, it's not bad for a whole province though. You're talking about the province, right? Yeah. I think, I think I could be wrong. I'm pretty sure it was the province. I don't think it was Toronto specifically. I think it was the whole province. Cool. Yeah. I mean, cause even if you said said that for Toronto, I'd be like, that's not like, doesn't sound horrible, horrible. But yeah, yeah. I don't think it's uh let's see, new COVID cases, Ontario. Yeah, we don't have a we don't have a Jamie Googler or a side person that can produce or that can Google things. Actually, we are uh twenty seven hundred today in Ontario. That's the new the new cases right now. And I guess it's starting to go up again because Oh, apparently at one point it was up to eight K. So you're doing good. Kind of. So yeah. We'll, we'll see how things go. I guess I'm not in the loop with that, but I've just sort of been, uh, you know, cooped up in my basement here. It's okay not to be in the loop, man. I think if you're in the loop on that kind of things, you get more like bummed out. 
it, you know what I mean? The more yeah. the more mainstream media you take in, the more crazy I think people get. get. <laughs> oh yeah, I had to when I was working like a day job, an office job. I was looking at the news every day when I came in to see what was going on and whatnot. Just I just had to stop that. Yeah, um, I don't even look at it uh, for fun anymore or anything like that. I just do my own thing and I'll look at Reddit yeah. for certain things that are going on, but I don't touch any mainstream media for the most part. No, no one shares it on Twitter or like social media for the, and I, I'm like, I don't even get on. I try not to get on like Facebook and shit like that as much, but if I don't see it on like social media or if I don't like pull it up on Google myself, a hurricane could come hit here and I wouldn't even know, you know what I mean? It would be like, <laughs> There's a hurricane fudge. I think at that point, you know, it's just going to be screaming at you from your phone. Yeah. So <laughs> no need for the, for the news at that point then. Exactly. What are some things that, that, that maybe picked up during COVID like in the industry and, and like, as far as like bands and music are concerned, like what are some things that bands started doing or that the industry started doing that will stick around? Do you think after the pandemic, like when, when touring fully resumes and, and everything goes, it goes forward. One thing I think, was really big was um, Twitch streaming and live streaming in general, whether it's a full band or if it's members from a band gaming or doing podcasts or whatnot, that's really picked up. Yeah. I've seen and the fans and listeners seem to really enjoy that and want more of it. So I think that will continue um, as much as it can while people are mobile, but I think you'll see a lot more of that. Um, I think one thing I used to really like was the fact that bands had DVDs of shows or like where you actually had soundboard audio and stuff like that. So I think it's, it is cool that people are doing live shows right now. Uh, maybe people will start doing DVDs again. I don't know. Maybe not DVDs, but you know, releasing it online, right, 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 right. Uh, like a pay per access or whatever that might happen. Um, yeah. I think mostly just the, the streaming stuff is the, is the main big bump there and merch merch uh drops that seems to be yeah really really pumping that's any industry like there was a while where um we we do a lot of like custom tie-dye type designs we're all about crazy colors and whatnot hell yeah supreme merch. boss collab <laughs> yeah. and we couldn't even source hoodies because there was a global, well, well, North American shortage of hoodies. You just couldn't get a blank hoodie to die um, for like two months. Because I guess all the YouTubers yep. and bands and companies are all doing merch drops right now. So it was it was rough around Christmas time. Wow. Um, yeah, I think I think if anything, the pandemic only showed. <clears throat> I mean, granted, a lot of the industry is uh, hurting financially, right? But mm-hmm. I think what what will happen is everyone will even be better off because now you have all this other income uh, stream. You have another stream of income that you weren't doing before that was there, uh, and you may not have thought it was as you know valuable and whatnot. Because I've been saying for a while that bands, I felt bands should be doing some kind of paywall s- situation, whether it be through Patreon, and you just kind of mm-hmm. have like a Q and A, or you have like some fan club thing, and. And I know that uh, Frankie uh, from Imure, he got shit on a lot from for trying to have a fan club situation. But then Patreon kind of came along and became this big thing, and especially now in yeah. the pandemic, you know. And I think it's going to be more beneficial for bands because once the touring money and all that stuff comes back into play and everything, they yeah, can also. I, I totally forgot about that side of things because there there are many people bands that are doing that. Um, a good success story with that, I'd probably say, would be in Deathcore would be Carnifex. They're doing it, and they have like live streams that are only for their patrons. Yeah, I think like that. So yeah. that's cool. Yeah, I mean, I've definitely I paid. You know, at first I was like, I'm not going to do those live <laughs> those live streams, uh, but then between the Baird and me did one on Twitch, and mm-hmm. kudos to them because they played they played live. So, and I know some of the, some of the live streams, uh, are pre-recorded, which is cool too. I mean, I, I enjoyed the, every time I die one, I, I watched many this pandemic. I broke down obviously and started watching them all, but, 
a lot of them were fun. Like every time I dies was kind of like comedy and then, you know, live performance and then, you know, skits and then live performance and other shit. And that's cool. And under oath had their own thing going on where it was like mm-hmm. live performance and shit and code orange. So yeah, man, I mean, I hope like you, I hope it continues, but maybe not on the frequency, obviously that it is, but they obviously won't need to when they're touring again. Yeah. And I think that, um, it might be a nice thing to have to fill in some gaps. Like let's say you got a huge tour with s- some larger bands and then you got to go to Europe, but there's a couple of months lull. That might be a good point to bust out the the content. Uh, so I think that that will be something that we see. Yeah. Bands won't even forward. like, ba- you know, more, and this could even be better for the industry in general, but more bands might be able to like quit their day job. Yeah. Earlier, you know, earlier in the, their career. It's funny. Um, that was something that I had to rely on, you know, going, going to tour and then, trying to find a job on your back. And now I've actually found consistency not being on tour as far as the finances go. And I've been able to not have a regular day job while I've been on um, ever since October of last year. So do you stream? um, uh, I don't stream, but I started some other business ventures that the band helped uh, like going back to tie dye. I have a, a custom tie dye company that we do merch drops sort of like a streetwear cool type approach and we work with other heavy bands and we'll do collabs with them kind of like you know in streetwear brands like you have like nike and supreme or something like that not at that scale but uh yeah stuff like that that's what we've been doing and that's that's been helping would you have done any uh would you have done any bands that i may have known about as far as like merch drop stuff we've done um um Attila, we've done Acacia Strain, we've done uh, Rings of Saturn, we've done um, some Lorna Shore, we've done Infant Annihilator, a bunch of like deathcore oriented kind of bands, cool. and even some smaller ones too. Uh, those are the, those are, those are some of the bigger ones, Attila and and uh, Acacia Strain. But uh, we're we're working on a few other big ones right now, and maybe we're gonna go into other genres as well. Nice, but. Uh, the basically the idea is it's a very limited number of items and they're completely custom and hand dyed. And uh, so that's been sort of the the thing that's keeping, keeping things going. Well, that's cool. That and the band. So, yeah, of course. Yeah. Like, I, you know, cause again, you guys kind of like came out of left field and like I said, you've grown even during a year where you don't tour. So, or, or nothing really has been going on. <clears throat> but speaking of Achilla, uh, funny you mentioned that. I meant to bring this up way earlier on, but uh, today mm-hmm. marks the two-year anniversary. Two-year anniversary of me sitting down with Franz to record the first episode of this podcast. Oh, awesome! Yeah, so uh, we didn't release the episode right away. We waited a month, so technically, uh, March twenty-second is our anniversary. But we recorded our first episode today, so or today two years ago. So you're on That's the uh, anniversary. You're on the anniversary. Hell yeah. Uh, but I, yeah, I really, I just bought my first tie dye shirt uh, again since, you know, before when I was a kid, but it was a gate creeper shirt. So I was interested to maybe oh, sweet. see if you did that one, but I didn't do that one. I've seen those. Those are awesome. Yeah. So I can't wait for that, but uh, I've gotten more into like, not, I won't say nicer clothes, but like streetwear and uh, more like quality t-shirts, I guess you would say not, like I said, not mm-hmm. nicer clothes, but just quality t-shirts. So, I'm on Depop all the time trying to find like vintage Limp Bizkit t-shirts and stuff. <laughs> I legitimately searched that like two days ago I've, for like uh, 90s Limp Bizkit <laughs> and Linkin Park shirts. So, someone, so. someone today, uh, someone today on their story, uh, I was looking and her brother bought her a 90, uh, 1999 Family Values tour shirt. Mm-hmm. And I looked those up. So I know how much they cost. And I was Oof. like, Jesus, because I've seen them for like anywhere between a like hundred to like two hundred dollars. And yep. I was like, damn, dude. I was like, maybe it's a reprint or something like that. <laughs> it's not like a Gildan. But yeah, I found a couple scores. I found uh, a long sleeve limp biscuit shirt that had uh, just the five heads in a circle, like from the okay. significant yeah, yeah. other era. 
I remember that one, yeah. For 60 bucks, I got that one. And then some random person on Facebook was like, hey, I see you like Limp Biscuit. They were like a friend of mine, someone like through a friend of mine or uh, somehow yeah. on Facebook. But they're like, I see you like Limp Biscuit. I have this shirt. Do you want it? It's in an XL. And it was like a vintage like chocolate starfish shirt. And I was like, yeah, it was that's like just, awesome. Just the album cover. And I was like, hell yeah, dude. So I've had to stop buying them because I like, I'm going to just get a whole wardrobe of them. That app is, is, uh, is, is criminal because you open up your phone and then there's just notifications on it. So oh, I got to hit that. I got to clear those notifications. Then you're searching for an hour yeah. on there. I turned, um, the, I turned them off so I don't get the notifications. And I go back like oh. five days later. I'm like, Oh, I messaged that guy about that shirt. <laughs> I th- actually, that's something I've seen that has been growing too. I've seen a lot of band guys popping up some old tour exclusives on there from other bands they might have toured with or their own bands. Oh yeah, I know uh, Travis from uh, Cattle Decapitation has a pretty extensive account on there. Um, so that that's really cool too. I think. Uh, there's a lot more uh, things on the market that weren't normally there right. at, at the moment. So yeah, it's yeah. Uh, you know what's weird? You say that like Alex, who runs the actual Lamb Goat website, he's got like mm-hmm. a treasure trove of shit in his basement from over the last twenty years of running, you know, website geared yeah. toward all this. So he put up a shop on the Lamb Goat site, and he's like selling some of the CDs and vinyls and stuff, but. He's mm-hmm. got so many like stickers and posters and all sorts of other stuff that's not on his website that if he were really to, you know I mean? He could like donate that to like a museum somewhere and they could start like a hardcore metal scene museum. Him and Josh Grable yeah. from Trusco, man, they, they were going back and forth on the podcast before about their nostalgic, like hoarded, hoarded shit. And I was like so jealous. That's crazy. And that wouldn't have happened before, you know, another, another thing that's changing with the times and people adapting to this crazy world we're in right now. I feel like people are more in more open with like thrifting because that's technically what Depop is. Depop's online thrifting, but it used to have such a negative cognitive, you know, uh, a negative vibe to it, Mm -hmm. you know, like "Eh, used clothes, you know, but it seems like everyone's changed or certain people are changing and it becomes a bigger thing. Like, you know, so cool. I'm all about it. I'm all for it. Well, Kyle, we're kind of running to the uh, hour long limit here. So I didn't, all uh, right. I know you got some Chipotle on the way or probably already there on your front door or something. I think it's uh yeah, it's somewhere around here. I think my girlfriend grabbed it for me. Um, but yeah, is there anything else you want to shout out? I know you got a, your album coming out on damn. Hold on before we go. I want to I want to bring up one thing that I noticed online. You okay. guys have an odd number of people that already have like the band logo tattooed on them for being like such a new band. Okay. Um yeah, I I think well the name comes from a brand that the uh main character gets. So essentially what that signifies is in the, or in the anime you're talking about in the anime. Yeah. In, in the anime, the character is supposed to be a part of this ritual where they sacrifice a number of people in order to create uh, a new sort of demon King, I guess you could say, or, and uh, he basically you brand all these people for sacrifice and then they're sacrificed. And then this person can gain infinite power essentially. Okay. But the, the what the protagonist of the story guts, he actually survives this ceremony. But he has the brand on his neck and uh that brand bleeds when he uh, at certain points when he's supposed to go to bed because there's now a connection between the physical world and the astral world, which is where that ceremony sort of took place and now demons are basically after him constantly trying to kill him because he's supposed to be sacrificed but he lived. Right. So that's kind of like the idea behind it, it's symbolic, but we, we didn't want to take that exact brand symbol. And yeah, uh, I'm trying, now that. that you're explaining, it, I'm thinking like, am I just looking when I like Googled brand of sacrifice, right? And I hit images. Am I getting the brand tattoo that they're getting from the anime or the, 
like you might be band. getting that. Okay, but we have had a, quite a few tattoos of our B symbol. Okay, okay. Because when, when you well. said that it bleeds, I was like, there were some that were kind of tattooed, like they were bleeding. So I was like, maybe. I, yeah, so I, I it might be that. from the anime. I have, <laughs> I do have that symbol on my neck as well. Oh, okay. Um. So, but yeah, that's that's sort of. I th- I like to look at it as a, a symbol of survival, in a sense uh, that you can you know, survive the absolute worst uh, type of situation and be able to move forward, even when you're haunted by it, just like something like dealing with uh, things like depression or anxiety, when you take it to a real world perspective. Um, So that's sort of where, where I've based that idea from. It's more than just the anime, I guess, but we have had a lot of people get the B Symbol tattooed, which is a little different than that one, but that might have been what you found. No, I, 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 I saw both, but there were obviously when you said it would, I, there was a picture that I looked at for sure, and it was like a, you know, it wasn't bloody, it was like tattooed, like it was bleeding. Uh, symbol, mm-hmm. and I was like, oh, that makes sense. And then I was like, oh, maybe I'm connecting the wrong brand of sacrifice. <laughs> well, all right, let's. Uh, it, do you have anything that you want to kind of shout out? Obviously, you have. Uh, New album coming out March 5th. Yeah, um, we actually have a new single coming out uh, at midnight, Eastern Standard Time uh, tonight. Probably won't be able to shout that out right now. This is going to go out later. But, <laughs> this will be a, uh, a next. So when you do hear this, uh, the single Altered Eyes, check that out. Um, and I just want to shout out a few of our friends that have put out some music. Our friends in Signs of the Swarm put out a single. Um, that Check that out. Um, and our friends in Depths of Hatred are putting on a record soon as well. And our friends in Sentinels put out a new song too. And uh, those guys are all a part of our very first tour and they're very dear to us. So I just want to shout them out and uh, see if people want to check them out too and get in some other styles of song, uh, deathcore and metalcore too. So Yeah, I think you can find some of the Signs of Swarm stuff on Lamgood too if you go over there. And search. Yeah. We've, we've definitely posted about that because when you say that name, it, it rings many bells. Do you, uh, are you familiar with like Blind Witness? Yes. Okay. Classic fan. Okay, cool. Yeah, they, they were something that I kind of found when they came out and they, mm-hmm. it stuck with me because they curse in French on their record and it's fucking yeah. hilarious. <laughs> so I love it. I remember it. the song. Yeah. Okay. Well, anyway, man, Kyle, it was great meeting you. Hopefully next time it'll be in person and, you know, uh, we'll see, you know, obviously check out the the show and everything like that. And uh, best of luck. I know you're probably going to have a great release once this uh, new record comes out as the trajectory of the band is headed, you know, so uh, best of luck with that. And thanks for coming on the show, man. It was a great time. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. No problem, man. Take it easy. I don't think it overstates things to say that the Beatles were the greatest gift to entertainment and culture of our time, a secular religion, if you will, with their universal appeal and demonstrable impact on people's lives. I'm Robert Rodriguez, host of Something About the Beatles. With every episode, I speak with historians, musicians, artists, and Beatle witnesses, all in the service of fresh insights into the most joyous cultural entity the world has ever known. I hope you'll join me and listen to something about the Beatles, now on Evergreen, and wherever you get your podcasts.